The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Now last week we started this new series of ours called Living It Out. And we were looking at Israel and what they were doing coming out of Egypt. We were trying to see that though they came out of Egypt, Egypt was still inside of them. And there were problems that they were facing. So we were looking at that journey. They were in slavery. They were in captivity in Egypt. And yet God brought them out of Egypt. You remember the final plague. Although we didn't go through all the plagues. But the final plague that they hit them before they came out of Egypt was the death of the firstborn. God was sending this destroying angel across the nation. And any household where there was a firstborn animal or child or, an, or person, any human being or any animal, that person, that firstborn person would die unless there was the blood of the lamb on the doorposts. And so the Israelites celebrate the feast of Passover because they put the blood of a lamb, they sacrificed, put his blood on the door lintels, and because of that blood, the destroying angel passed over those homes and there was no one affected. How amazing, how terrible, how awesome is that situation? And you know, for us as Christians, the blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God, has been shed for us and has been, as it were, painted on the doorposts of our lives. That has happened. And therefore, the destroying angel has to pass over us because God has made a way for us. Here's this lamb that was raised up for us on the cross to take our sin on on himself. That same thing has happened to us. And I just say that because we need to keep that in mind. When we're reading this story of the Israelites, we're reading the unfolding of the story of salvation and how it affects us too, which is why we can take so many things from it. But you know what? In Corinthians 5 verse 15, 2 Corinthians 5 15, it says this, He, that is Jesus, He died for everyone so that those who receive His new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Let me ask you. Are you living for yourself or are you living your life out for Christ? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. Are we here because we're like, oh, I don't know what's going on. My head's all over the place. I'm just doing what I want to do. Listen, if you have said, Jesus, come into my life. If you have said that and therefore you are saying, I want my sins forgiven because of what Jesus has done for me. You've given your life to him. You've given your life to him. That's something we've given over. And therefore, we receive his new life. And therefore, we should be no longer living for ourselves, but living for him. And that's part of what we're talking about. This living it out is that we're not living for ourselves any longer. We are indeed living for Jesus Christ. Look, when it came to Israel having left Egypt, we recognized last week, every time they came upon a new problem, then their reaction was, hey, let's go back. Let's go back. They come up against some new adversity, and their thought is, let's get back to Egypt. This is ridiculous. Egypt was the place of slavery. 
Egypt was the place where their lives were rubbish. Egypt was this place that they longed to get out of, and they cried to God, release us, get us out of this mess. And yet as soon as they face a problem, oh, do you know what? I think it was better back then. And regretfully, this is a picture of our lives. It's a picture of what we do. We're sort of almost as silly as they are. Because every time I read the story of the Israelites, I think, how stupid are they? What's the matter with them? Why couldn't they get this sorted out? But they just didn't. They kept going backwards. And every time they came across problems, here are some of the problems. They came to the Red Sea. There was no way. No way forward. What are we going to do? There's no way to get through here. What are we going to do? And they cry out to Moses. In need, they say this. It would have been better for us to have served the Egyptians than die in the desert. They're thinking back again. If we were better off there. And yet they didn't realize that God had called them out. Not only the Red Sea, no food. A situation where suddenly they think, our food supplies have run out. Our sandwiches are gone. Although they were flatbread sandwiches because there was no yeast with that. Okay, So flatbread sandwiches, don't forget that. Our flatbread sandwiches have finished. What are we going to do? If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. If only he killed us in Egypt. We don't think our lives are worth anything. This is what they're crying out. But God says, I'll give you manna. I'll provide for you. I open the sea. I provide food for you. We've run out of water. There's this place, Rephidim, they come to, and then, okay, all our water bottles are empty. I don't think they had those water coolers, you know, that actually keep it. With it. I think they got a bit warm, they drunk it up. All water's gone, they have no water. What are we going to do? Moses has to go and strike this rock, but out of a rock comes water for this people. But you know what they say? They're saying like, why did you bring us out of Egypt if we're going to die of thirst? There's this constant moaning and groaning. And later on, there's a situation where Moses, as the leader, has gone up the mountain to be with God. He's gone up there for 40 days. Well, where's he gone? Why isn't he coming back? What are we going to do? And they're so frustrated with this, they say to Aaron, make us gods who will go before us so that they can lead us back home. And of course, that's the situation of the golden calf. Every new problem meant the Israelites were moaning and groaning, and that indicated a distrust of God. It was often, well, it wasn't often, Moses and Aaron were the ones that took the brunt of that moaning. They were always being groaned at. They were always being complained to because they were the leaders. But they themselves were quick to point out, you're not grumbling against us, that is Moses and Aaron. It's not us that you've got the issue with. Your issue is with God. You're grumbling against him. When it came to no food, Exodus 16 verse 8 says this, Moses added, the Lord will give you meat in the evening and bread to satisfy you in the morning, for he has heard all your complaints against him. What have we done? Yes, your complaints are against the Lord, not against us. You see, Moses and Aaron were trying to say, look guys, give us a break. We're with you. We're in this. We're all going through the same situations. But when you're saying, God doesn't care, God hasn't got any provision for us, you're not speaking against us. You're speaking against him. And when I read that, I think of my own life, how easy it is to complain. Oh, things are not going right. And I start moaning and groaning. I start becoming like one of the Israelites. The only thing I'm not saying is, okay, get me back to Egypt. But in one sense, it's get me back to the times when it wasn't like this. Get me back to when everything was all right and I didn't have to bother. Get me back to a place of comfort and ease. Get me, even if comfort and ease actually had its problems, because Egypt had many problems. For starters, there were slave drivers that were beating them. 
because they weren't making enough bricks. So it wasn't like there weren't any problems back then. But they keep looking back and wanting to go back and moaning and groaning. What an absolute mess. Is it any surprise that when Moses came down the mountain with the Ten Commandments, so he's got these commandments all written out by the finger of God on stone. Think how much they'd sell for if you had them. And they get broken. Because he's saying, like, for goodness sake, what is the matter with you all? What's happened? What are you going after? What are you complaining about? So I don't think it's any surprise that Moses, bless him, broke up those. And, of course, he was then told later on to cut out some new ones so that God could go and do a second lot for him. But as I'm reading this, I think there's a key thing for us to notice. An instruction which we need to take hold of ourselves. Because it, it, it does show us something. And it sh- I think it's this. We must learn, we must learn to keep looking forward and not to keep looking back. Now, when we look forward, we don't, well, I don't know what's going to happen. So there's always that sense of, oh. so you tend to stop that and you think, well, of course, it was much better when. I remember, you know, when I was a teenager, Mars bars were this long. You know, that's the sort of thing, because you remember back to the good old days. Not like they are now. I mean, I, you know, this is the Mars bar these days. We used to have one that was fit for a family. Actually, what I mean is that my mother took one Mars bar and only gave you a piece of it, or gave a piece to each of the family. But they weren't actually that big. But you know what I mean. There's a tendency to look back. But actually, what this is telling us is we've got to stop looking back, and we've got to look forward to what lies ahead. Hope drives us forward. Hope enables us to pass comfort and ease and get on with the things that God wants us to get on with. But the trouble is, as we take hold of comfort and ease, they tend to draw us back to the past. Hope builds a future for us, but you know what? Fear and unbelief of what is lying ahead can also cause us to turn back. Our hope is this. Our hope is that actually going to heaven to be with God and to be with him forever is far better than where we are right now. Do you need to hear that? Where our hope is, where our destiny is, it is far better. Not just a little bit better. It is far better than anything that we have right now. We have many good things. We are blessed with many good things, but God has a future for us that is better than where we are now. That is our hope. That is what we are looking to. And that hope is that not only will we go to a better place, there God is. It's nothing about, oh, where's God's presence? If I've got to seek him and I need to get close to him, God is with us. He comes to be with us. He comes to live with us. Our destiny is is to be with him eternally. And that is a good place. That is a place where there is no sin, a place where there's no sickness, a place where there is no pain. So it is a good place. Revelation 21 verses 3 and 4 say this, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And this 
is the promised land that lies ahead of us. This is what God has promised to us, and it lies ahead of us for anyone who puts their trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins and yields their life to him to live for him after that. Their future is a destiny with him in heaven, in glory, where there's no sin, where there's no pain, where there's no suffering forever. Do we want that? Yes, I sign up and I'm going now. Well, not literally right now, but there's that sense, that's where we want to be. That is the hope that lies ahead of us. And it's something that we need to be looking forward to rather than, like the Israelites, keep turning and looking back. Israel was destined by God to leave this slavery in Egypt and to go into a new land, a place of freedom, a place of blessing. In Exodus 3 verse 8, God spoke to Moses at the burning bush. He says, I've come down to rescue them, talking about the Israelites, from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hivites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, and all the otherites. God wanted to bring them into a new land. But they kept looking backwards to their old land. But not only did they keep looking backwards, as we've seen when the problems came, they also had problems actually moving forwards into this new land. Sometimes in our own lives, we might feel like we're in a similar situation. We seem to be struggling, often finding ourselves falling back to the old ways, the ways of Egypt, as it were. It's difficult for us to untangle ourselves Sometimes from those things that seem to pull us back. Sometimes there's addiction. Sometimes there's patterns of behavior that have gripped our lives that we find difficult to get with. Oh, they get tucked away for a while. But then suddenly something happens and that root starts to produce fruit again in our lives. Remember this. We can't really get that stuff out of us. But the good news is that Jesus can. That's the good news. And we need to, he who is able to do all things. If we look to him, and if we yield these situations to him, he is gracious, and he will help us. Our role, simply, is to keep our eyes on Jesus. To keep focused on him. To keep looking to him. And to know from day to day how real he is. Psalm 46 verse 10 is so important for us. It says this, be still, be still, be still and know that I am God. And there's a necessity for that. I find it in my own life. I find I have to get to that place. I've got to stop because there's so much clamor. There's almost the noise of Egypt behind me that I need to block out so that I can concentrate on the glory of heaven that is before me. It doesn't just happen like that. You have to go through a process of saying, I remember. You need to look around. You need to concentrate. You need to remember that actually the enemy sends all sorts of like interference around our lives so that you can't always receive the good signal from God. 
You've seen these TV programs, or you've had a TV, especially in the old days, we used to have an aerial on top. Unless the aerial was pointed at Crystal Palace directly, yeah, you know, the picture would start breaking up and you'd start moving it around. These days you don't have that so much, especially with satellite dishes. Although when you get weather systems coming over, suddenly the satellite breaks up and you've got all those pixels of color going all over the place. That's a little bit what like, the enemy does. You're trying to have your eyes fixed on Jesus, and the enemy wants you to have a, hang on, what's this pixelated picture? I can't even make him out. And sometimes we have to get down to the facts. Who is God? He is good. He is kind. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He loves me. He cares for me. He blesses me. We have to keep hold of the facts, and then we have to start raising up the truth. These are the facts, so the lies that are coming against me, the interference that is coming against me, you have no place to come against me. You have no place to tell me that I'm not loved because he has loved me. He has chosen me. This is an activity, a pattern of behavior that we have to go through, but to get there, we need to be still. We need to be still because otherwise we don't have, we've got to still ourselves down that we might be able to focus on him. Be still. If only the Israelites had learned a little bit more to be still, maybe they would have been better off. Look what God had done for them. Ten plagues, and he brings them out of Egypt. He breaks the stranglehold of slavery that they were in. He opens the Red Sea. That, in my view, if I was, that's a miracle. It's a miracle. Absolutely it's a miracle. So that's, they've had escaped from slavery, and they've all seen a miracle, because they all walk through with the water on either side. So they have walked through a miracle. And then, their food runs out, another miracle. God is producing manna, and it's coming every day, apart from the Sabbath day, and the day previously, there's twice as much. They're being fed all the time. That's a miracle. And they're seeing it, and they're eating it, and they're experiencing it. Every day, miracles are happening to them. Oh, I forgot to mention, there's the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night that is in front of them. And whenever that moves, it leads them where they need to go. That's another miracle. Miracles, 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 signs and wonders all the time. And yet they say, like, where is God? It's time for us to go back. It would have been much better if we'd been killed there. That would have been better for us rather than going through this. And you see that even though they complain, what we see of God is that he cares. He provides. He watches over. That's what we see of God. He guides his people. He helps them. But Israel kept losing sight of that. Let us make sure that we're not the same as them. Are there miracles? Well, I haven't seen a miracle. Well, what about the fact that you're kept from day to day? What about the fact that you've got food in your fridge? What about the fact that you've got some money? No, you haven't got money these days. It's almost a cashless society. You've got a credit card or you've got some sort of bank card that you can get money out of a service till. You've got those things. Yeah, I know we may not all, we might be wishing for more, but hang on a second. We're not looking at the more. We're looking at the blessings, even the miracles that each of us is receiving day by day. The health that we have. The fact that you put your head on the pillow at night And then you can wake up in the morning. Wow, I I went to sleep. I I was refreshed. My body is being strengthened. All of these are miracles that are happening to us each and every day. And yet we can take them for granted just like Israel. And then we find ourselves moaning. Oh, it was better. You know when? We lose sight of the miracles that God has done. 
And we want to stay close to him that that hasn't happened. Let's move on. Israel has come out. They've come out of Egypt, but now it is time for them to go in. It's time for them to go into the promised land. I should say, I would like to have said, that there was one other hindrance that they had actually before they went into the land. And you know, all these things that come against you, things like food, provision, all of those things that we are necessities of life, God has promised he will take care of. So we've got to look to him. Look to his hand. But you know what? Something else can arise, and it arose with Moses, and that was that his sister and his brother, they started complaining about Moses and his wife. Who is this Cushite woman? Who is Moses that he thinks he's the leader? And you know what else can come up? Is that from one of us? Our pride and our arrogance can arise. And they were proud and arrogant of the fact that Moses was the key leader. And they obviously didn't like his wife. And I don't know what she was saying or what she was doing. But it's like the, the Hebrew, as I understand it, has this inference, that woman. And you can always hear a conversation being taken place outside of Moses and his wife. That woman, you know, she's like that. The sort of thing that sometimes we're part of those conversations. Behind somebody's back. Pride and arrogance. I don't have time to unpack this, but I just want to say, let's beware. We complain and we moan, but we also need to watch the arrogance and the pride of our hearts. We must stay humble before God. He is the one who is over all, and we want to stay humble to him. But they come to the promised land. Moses obviously wants to check things out, so he sends some spies. Numbers 13, verses 1 and 2. The Lord now said to Moses, Send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I am giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. And they go out and they explore the land for 40 days. So they're out there, they're checking out what's the food like, what the people like, what's the land like. And then they come back and they give their report. And this was the report, it says in Numbers 13, 27. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and indeed, a bountiful country. It is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. And obviously, they have with them this great bunch of grapes. They had some of the fruit. So they'd seen the provisions, and they bought them to the people to say, this is, God said it was going to be a land of milk and honey. It is indeed a land of milk and honey. And this is the fruit. And the fruit was abundant. But they go on to say, but the people living there are powerful. And their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. We saw giants. Can you get this picture? Israel, what's the matter with you? What were the miracles you saw? What were the experiences of God you had? The closeness of God, the provision of God, the blessing of God. What is all of that about? And now when you're looking to your future, the land to which God himself had promised to your forefathers, and now it's coming down to you, and now you are on the edge of that land, and now you are saying, I've seen the people there. I don't know. They're too big for us. Was the army of Egypt too big for God? Get perspective. And this is what happens to us. Our problems become the biggest problems. Oh, but you don't understand what I'm going through. You're right. I don't understand what you're going through. I understand what I'm going through. And you might not understand what I'm going through. And I don't understand what you're going through. But we're all going through stuff. And it's varying in its complexity and its problems. But the thing is, we think those problems are bigger than God. 
And when that happens, we start to stop moving into our destiny because we are raising up objections just the same as the Israelites were. It's hard. I didn't say it's easy just to say, hey, I'm letting go of these problems. No, 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 I'm not. They're very real problems. Yes, I know they're very real problems, but he is a greater than God. He is more able, and he is able to help us no matter what our problems and there is a certain fear about this, you know, letting go, because if we're going to go through those problems, sometimes it means that God needs to change us. And I think sometimes that is one of the things that actually needs to happen. I'm not saying that God sent the problems because he wants to change you, but maybe he does. We don't know. God tested the Israelites in many different ways. We saw some of that last week. He tested them. And so therefore, as he's testing them, he can test us too and challenge us. But what we need to do is we need to make a decision. I'm not looking back. I could go back, but I'm not going to look back. I'm going to simply trust that the God that has led me this far, he is able to take me in to possess the land that he has promised to give to me. And he has promised to us that we are his children. He has given us the right to become the sons and daughters of the Most High God. Do not be afraid, for if I go away, said Jesus to his disciples, for I'm going to prepare a place for you, that you may be where I am. He's gone to prepare a place for us. That future is ready and destined for us. That hope is laid out before us, but we have to take hold of the hope, otherwise our fears... Our concerns and even the desire for comfort and ease will take us back to where we were before. But we don't want to be a people who are going back. We want to be a people who are going forward. You know, it wasn't just all of the people. There was obviously Caleb and Joshua, Numbers 13, verse 30 and 31. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. There were two who said, come on, we can make it. But you know what it's like to be a lone voice when the whole crowd is saying, hey, come on, we can't do this. Often you can get swayed by the crowd and get pulled back. This is what God had to say about this situation. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Treat me with contempt. Will they never believe me? Even after all the miraculous signs I have done. And I know for us, it's not like we're listing down, okay, I've seen this blind eye open, I've seen this leg grow. Or, you know, there's, we, we categorize miracles in such a way. But for every one of us, there is a miracle every day that's happening in our lives that we're alive. Amen. We do have miracles, like miracles of new babies coming along safely and others Growing up and we're seeing the transformation in other people's lives. Those are miracles in themselves. We see the miracles of changed lives. We have the blessing of seeing that here where people who have come to know Jesus. And over a few years you see a definite transformation in the peace and the circumstances of someone's life. As God is guiding them and leading them. We see miracles. And yet I find so often in my own heart. Lord, I'm still raising up those complaints. I'm raising up those issues to say, we can't go forward. I don't want to treat God with contempt. I want to say, Lord, you are able to do what I don't understand, but you are still able to do it. 
And therefore, I'm going to keep my eyes on you. I'm going to keep my focus on you. And as we're in this time of consecrating ourselves, I want us to literally say, we're going to leave behind the things of the past. The voice is loud. Comfort and ease call you. If you've never had an experience of comfort and ease calling you, just let me take you to tomorrow morning. The alarm clock's going off. Let's paint the picture. The alarm clock's going off. You know you've got to get up. And your duvet speaks to you. It says, stay. Stay a little bit longer. You deserve it in here. It's warm here. My duvet was speaking to me this morning. I did hit the alarm for five more minutes. I heard that voice, and I thought, no, this voice must not overtake me. I must get up. You know what I mean. See, comfort and ease does speak to us. It does call us back. But our destiny is not in Egypt. Our destiny is to be with God forever in his kingdom. And that is where we need to press on to. So let me encourage you during this week. Let's every time you think of things or your stuff from the past is coming up or even sins or patterns of behavior, Lord, I don't know how to escape. I don't know how to escape. But I'm trusting you. I'm not going to contempt you. I'm not going to put you down. I'm going to look to you and say, Lord, deliver me. Deliver me and bring me through to the promised land that you have given for me. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.